Did you hear it? John 3.16. has to be one of the most well-known Bible verses ever. Most people, I think, have at least heard of John 3.16, but many probably don't know the context in which it was said. Uh, Most don't know, I think, that there was this guy named Nicodemus who comes to Jesus and he starts this conversation. Nicodemus, he he was some sort of religious leader among the Jews, and he, he comes to Jesus under cover of darkness. Maybe he's embarrassed to ask the questions he's going to ask, but he tells Jesus that he knows that it's that, that he comes from God because the things that Jesus does would be impossible otherwise. And Jesus, he pivots the conversation, and he basically says, Nick, you know, he's got lots of nicknames for people. He, say, he says, Nick, you, you, you think that that's impossible. I'll tell you what's impossible. It, it's impossible for someone to see God's kingdom unless they're born anew, born again, born from above. The, the original Greek word means all of those things together at the same time. And, you know, poor Nick, he, uh, maybe he's playing dumb, but Nick seems to think that Jesus is talking about a normal birth. And so he says, uh, Jesus, how can I be born again? And you just imagine him, like, trying to work this out. Am I going to enter my mother's womb a second time and be born? And, and Jesus, he, he, rephrases the, he rephrases what he says, but he, he kind of doubles down. He says, uh, we're not talking about entering your mother's womb. <laughs> we're talking about entering the kingdom of God. In order to do that, you must be born of water and spirit, he says. Now, I am very aware that the phrase born again comes with a lot of cultural and religious baggage. Amen? <laughs> and when I hear it outside of church, it's usually being used uh, disparagingly, or, or at least to describe a particular generally conservative voting block. Within the church, sadly, it's sometimes used as a weapon where some Christians disparage other Christians. And so there's a temptation to give up on it. Let's just not talk like that. But let's not give up on this image just yet. After all, it does come from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus says that no one can see or enter the kingdom of God without this new birth. And so so we think about the image of birth. An unborn baby can't perceive much reality outside of the womb of its mother. Its its world is uh, complete darkness. And only occasionally will ripples of evidence of this other world make it through to the womb, or into the womb. But when the baby is born... There's this incredible influx of new sensory stimulation. Light, sound, uh, different types of touch, smells, tastes, and breath. In the same way, before a person is born of the Spirit, the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is, is virtually imperceivable to them. 
it might as well be a figment of their imagination. Their spiritual senses are muddled, and they're unable to perceive it. But when they're born into the kingdom of God, it's perceivable in a new way. The spiritual senses awaken. God's voice can be heard in a new way. The things of God are seen in a new way. And God's spirit is present like the air of a, around a baby. And so Jesus says, you, you must be born again. You must be born of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying that just as a man and a woman come together in an act of love and there's a physical birth that results, so it is when the Spirit of God and the Spirit of a man or woman come together in an act of love. There is a new spiritual birth. You are born again. And John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist movement, he said that if there were any truly fundamental teachings of Christianity... They were that of justification and that of the new birth. He says that justification is, this is a great time for note takers, by the way, because these are good two things they said. (laughs) Justification is that great work which God does for us in forgiving our sins. The new birth, on the other hand, is the great work which God does in us in renewing our fallen nature. So justification, again, the great work that God does for us, in forgiving our sins, and the new birth is the great work that God does in us in renewing our fallen nature. Justification is another word for pardon. And so when we're justified by faith, we have peace with God. At the same time that we're justified, in that very moment, sanctification begins, the process of growing in Christ-likeness. In that instant of justification, we are born again, born from above, born of the Holy Spirit. We receive the new birth. In the new birth, we feel God's love poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and it brings a sense of love for God, of love for everyone, especially those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that when John Wesley says that our fallen nature is renewed, he's talking about being healed from the way that sin corrupts us. Because, you know, we've all gotten bitten by sin. And it's poison taints the way that we live. And so we come to a point where we're actually unable not to sin. It's like our whole nature is bent towards sinning and we try to manage it, but we can't gain power over it. It it, it reminds me of something that happened uh, about 10 years ago now. Katie and I were in a particularly busy season of life. She was working 80 hours a week in residency. I was working on a master's degree in computer science. And uh, sometimes it felt like all we could do, it was all we could do to, you know, get the laundry done, get the dishes washed, and get dinner on the table. And, you know, maybe occasionally get the lawn mowed. But uh, there were lots of things during that time that really needed attention that, that got, ended up getting neglected. And so, so in our house, we had this flower bed and, and, uh, in our backyard and it had these beautiful rose bushes in it. But I couldn't keep up with weeding around them. And so I, I would mow the lawn 
and I, I just look at the, the weeds uh, getting bigger and bigger and think to myself, oh, I've got to do something about that sometime. Oh, well, I, I, I don't have time now. I'll do it later. You know? and, and then so the second or third time that I mowed the grass and saw the weeds growing uh, bigger and bigger, I said to myself, well, something's better than nothing. So you know what I did? I took the lawnmower and I ran it over the flower bed. I'm not really proud of it, but I didn't mow the roses, but I mowed the weeds. But needless to say, it was a temporary, superficial, cosmetic fix. Actually, I actually think I just made the weeds angry. I think they just came up faster, back to their full height in a few days. But isn't that sort of a, a parable of the way that uh, we often deal with sin in our lives? You know, we make some superficial attempts at controlling it, but we know that we really need to get to the root. We need God to get to the root. Because otherwise it just comes back stronger than ever. And what I want to offer this morning is that the new birth is the answer to that cycle. To breaking the cycle. Because the Holy Spirit comes to break the power of sin over us. Justification is wonderful. That's where we're pardoned from our sin. But, but the good news is even better. It's that God doesn't leave us in a state of being pardoned, but unchanged. Because God not only wants to do that great work for us in forgiving our sins, but God wants to do a great work in us in renewing our fallen nature. As, as Charles Wesley uh, says, to paraphrase him, God wants to take away our bent to sinning. Okay, great. So how do we actually do it? How do we have a new birth? Well, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't really give us detailed instructions. And maybe that's understandable because how exactly does a baby decide that it's going to be born? On the other hand, Jesus tells us the means by which we come into this new life. And it's by trusting that he himself is God's means to bring it about. New birth Right, work with the image. New birth is the beginning of the new life in Christ. And the life that Christ gives us, it's a particular type of life. It's, it's an eternal life. It doesn't begin when we die. It begins when we're born of the Spirit into God's kingdom. And it's a life that goes on forever. It never ends. And John's Gospel says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So how are you born again? It's through trusting in Christ's work on the cross. If you're not born again, born from above, born of the Holy Spirit, working with the image again, you do not receive the eternal life that you need. I mean, do you see it? The new birth is when you become alive in Christ. We get so uh, focused on the images that sometimes we forget what they're saying. The new birth is becoming alive in Christ, and that's when we receive eternal life. If you don't have eternal life, then you're not alive forever in God's kingdom. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
There's this strange story in the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 21, the Old Testament. It's it's a story about how the Israelites had left Egypt, but they're complaining against God and against Moses. And they say, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? And because of their sin, uh, venomous snakes come against them and bite them, and many of them die. It's it's a strange story, but, but when this happens... The people come to Moses and they, and they say, you know, we've sinned. We spoke against the Lord and against you. And so would you pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us? And so Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord's answer to the prayer is, is very strange. Um, because the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on, up on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Huh? <laughs> so Moses made a bronze snake and he put it up on a pole And then anyone who was bitten by the snake could look at the bronze snake, lift it up, and live. And you think to yourself, what a strange story. But then comes John's gospel, saying, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, that's Jesus, be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him, who looks to him trusting in faith, will have eternal life. So humanity's sin, it's, it's, like a, it's like a snake bite that leads to death. Jesus was lifted up on the cross so that all of us who have been poisoned by sin's bite won't die, but will gaze upon him in trust and live. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, it, it, mean, it is the means by which God brings about this new birth that Jesus says we must have. But aren't I too old to experience the new birth? I mean, isn't my, isn't my age or my life experience, some, isn't that something that disqualifies me? And interestingly, Nicodemus asked the same question. He says, how can anyone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter into their mother's womb a second time and be born. So on the one hand, Nicodemus is clearly operating at a physical level while Jesus is operating at a spiritual level. But I wonder if maybe, just maybe, there's part of Nicodemus that's saying, I don't want to become a baby again, Jesus. I've, I've lived quite... A bit of life. I'm too old for all that. And as you can see, I'm actually a religious leader. I'm too old to going back to being a beginner. And I'm reminded of a quote from Pastor John Wimber that I've shared before. And he said that if anything characterizes Christian maturity, it's the willingness to become... a beginner again for Christ. It's the willingness to put our hand in his and say, I'm scared half to death, but I'll go with you. I'll risk everything to go with you. You are the pearl of great price. I believe that this new life must be prayed into being. And many people who put their trust in Christ, they, they find that they, they have a sense of that, that it was the prayers of others that brought them into this new life in him. 
And that's something that I think we need to take seriously. And that's one of the reasons that from Palm Sunday to Easter, we are going to be praying nonstop around the clock in one-hour shifts in that prayer room right there. And we're going to be praying for new life. God, would you bring new life into me? God, would you bring new life into my loved ones? God, would you bring new life into our church? God, would you bring new life into our community, into our society? And then, after a week of prayer, we're going to greet Easter Sunday. And we're going to greet the risen Christ with a great sense of joy and expectation and gratitude and awe. And so we join with us on that. You can look at the, in the bulletin. There's a, a URL where you can sign up. In a few weeks, there's going to be uh, sign-up paper that you can, you can do here. Jesus offers us that life that we need. We need to pray for it and receive it. And so let's look to him for our need and for the need of those that we love. In Jesus' name. Amen.